I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and you're listening to Reset. Now, we're going to come at the story of the racist mass shooting in Buffalo from another angle. The Justice Department has stated publicly that it is investigating the matter as a hate crime, racially motivated act of white supremacy and violent extremism. White supremacy and nationalism and this idea of replacement theory. Have you heard of this? Well, if you're watching Fox News, you're familiar with it because they talk about it all the time. That second voice there is New York Governor Kathy Hochul, and she mentioned the great replacement theory. But what is it? And how is it tied into the rise of domestic terrorism? Joining us now is Robert Pape, who's professor of political science at the University of Chicago, also director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. Hi, Professor Pape. Welcome back. Uh, Glad to be here. First off, your reaction to that news out of Buffalo. Uh, Well, I wish I could say I was surprised, but unfortunately, this is in line with the research that we've been doing at the University of Chicago Project on Security and Threats for well over a year now, nearly. Uh, We started uh, shortly after the January 6th event, and what we are seeing in both our very detailed analyses of of the demographics of who was arrested for January 6th, Um, uh, That's the assault on the Capitol. And then also our nationally representative surveys of uh, violent sentiments in the United States today, which we've conducted, um, is um, a tremendous amount of, um, uh, call it uh, tinder or call it uh, tinder wood that Mm -hmm. could be set off. And um, this is exactly what I've been warning about now in various op-eds and to government authorities for nearly a year. And so it is fairly tragic uh, to see this come to be. But um, uh, what you are seeing is uh, ideas that used to be the fringe, the great replacement, uh, are no longer just staying on the fringe. They're coming into the mainstream. And the more they come into the mainstream, the more that will encourage volatile actors to act on those. And that will come with deadly effect, I'm sorry to say. Professor, dig into that. The great replacement theory. The the suspect referenced this uh, in his writings. What is it? Yes. um, The great replacement is uh, the basic idea that whites are being replaced by non-whites. They're being replaced by immigrants uh, that is flooding into the country. They're being uh, replaced inside the country by greater birth rates that minorities may have than whites have. And so over time, the idea here with the great replacement theory is that there won't just be demographic change, but this will lead to cultural replacement and then also ultimately the end of uh, rights, where uh, rights of whites will lose out to the rights of a growing majority of non-whites. This has been an idea that's been on the fringe um, for actually, you can even go back over 100 years, so the roots of this idea are not really terribly new. But um, it's been uh, growing in particular in far-right circles for the last 10 years. This isn't just in the United States. This is in, uh, um, this is in, um, in France and mm-hmm. uh, other European countries. And you hear chants of uh, this at uh, Charlottesville, where a lot of your listeners will remember the chant that those white supremacists were chanting, Jews yeah. will not replace us, Jews will not replace us. Well, that is all part of this larger theory called the Great Replacement, which unfortunately now, as I said, is is moving into the mainstream. 
the uh, I found an interesting uh, core belief to the um, the white supremacist movement is this 14 word slogan. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Uh, yes, this is the idea, again, of the, of this idea that whites are being replaced by non-whites. And children, of course, are, are you know, a very important part of that idea. Um, and so it's, um, it's about they will – there's um, – so I've read the 160-page um, manifesto in detail, and unfortunately this is – goes through great detail, these ideas of the great replacement. This is not just a loose connection. Um, and so it has to do with, uh, you know, recounting of fertility rates. Mm-hmm. It has to do with recounting of immigration, you know. Uh, and, of course, uh, listeners will know that um, uh, mainstream political leaders have been complaining about the Democratic Party uh, deliberately having policies to open the southern border to flood our country with um, – uh, people from the third world, um, uh, all of whom are implied as non-white, uh, to change the electorate as a deliberate policy. Well, that is what is the modern popular version in the mainstream of the Great Replacement. So that is the idea that you hear virtually every night on Fox News with Tucker Carlson. Uh, you hear this with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, you hear this with many different Republicans. Uh, Trump alludes to this in various ways. Mm-hmm. So this is no longer – these are not ideas – that you just need to go to, like, the edges of the Internet or or kind of weird web uh, platforms that none of us have really ever heard of and that change every month anyway. No, this is now part and parcel of mainstream discourse. And you hear it in um, Trump rallies. You hear it in um, uh, just, again, every night on uh, Newsmax, Fox News. Um, and now what you're seeing is it's becoming, unfortunately, uh, it, it encourages this, this, main, this thinking encourages volatile actors that mm-hmm. they're acting in a legitimate way. And this, that's how and they, this that's rise why they in, believe they're acting legitimately. Right. And this rise in uh, domestic terrorism as well. Uh, uh, exactly. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are talking about the rise of white extremism in this country in light of the, the racist mass shooting that happened in Buffalo, New York on Saturday Our guest is Robert Pape, who's professor of political science at the University of Chicago and director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. You mentioned earlier, Professor, this is not uniquely an American problem, right? We are seeing this kind of rhetoric across the globe. Um, Uh, That's that's true, but I do want to zero in on – so in our work at CFOST at the University of Chicago, Mm -hmm. we have been showing that the people who – were arrested for breaking into the Capitol, lived in mostly blue districts in the country, mm-hmm. not the reddest parts of America. Uh, what, where they really come from are the parts of the country that are losing the most white population. Well, that's true of this guy in spades. So I just want to just point this fact out, that he comes from Conklin, New York, which is a small town but in a larger county called Broome County, New York, Broome County, New York, has about 200,000 people, and it, since 2010, according to our census, Broome County has lost 8% of non-Hispanic white population since 2010. That's one of the greatest losses in the entire country, and we track this now county by county. And so that really is striking because he is coming from, just like those who broke into the Capitol on Mm -hmm. January 6th, 
not just from like red farm district or poor area, lost manufacturing. No, that's not the key indicator. The key risk factor of the cauldron of who's producing these folks um, is whether the county lost um, demographically non-Hispanic white population. So you marry that environment that he's been in with this political rhetoric, and mm-hmm. you can start to see how volatile people, unfortunately, will connect those dots. And so this isn't a problem in Europe. This is a problem here in the United States. And it's a problem that, unfortunately, we're just beginning the wildfire season of the 2022 election season. So this has been something that we've been concerned about now for well over a year at Seapost. Your listeners can go to our website and see our very detailed reports on on this issue uh, right in the front page of the website, uh, Seapost at the University of Chicago, C-P-O-S-T. And um, I'm just um, it's really sad to see this come to be. When you study, Professor, who is most likely to to think that political violence is okay, what is it that you find there? Well, we found a striking fact. You see, those on January 6th were overwhelmingly business owners and doctors, lawyers, and accountants. Uh, They're not coming from the poorest parts of society. Well, here, um, the man who did this, and I won't read his name, but he says, He he talks about his biography in his manifesto, and he says, and I quote, I graduated high school with a regent's diploma with advanced designation and currently enrolled in SUNY Broome with a major in engineering science. Mm -hmm. So this is not (laughs) um, the kind of profile that you typically think of when you think of, uh, you know, sort of extremists and so forth. And I think um, we need to just uh, do the serious demographic study and not rely on kind of quick presumptions in the media, because the more we study the demographics of um, who's uh, engaged with far-right political violence in the last two years, what you see is a very different profile than we are used to seeing over the last 10 years. Ten, you know, Just even a few years ago, they tended to be uh, not going to college, they tended to be poor, they tended to be, you know, coming from the marginal parts of life. That's not who this guy is, and that is who the, that is the Buffalo shooter, and that's not who broke into the Capitol on January 6th. And this is a different uh, world, because the world we're seeing is extremism move into the mainstream. And as that does, it means folks that are actually have a future ahead of them um, are committing these awful acts of violence. In your expertise and research, what action can be taken here? Like, can these ideas be interceded? Well, we want everything to be on the margins because we don't like our monsters to be very close to us. It feels very uncomfortable. And that means we want to make it just a law enforcement problem and just say, well, we just need to add a few resources to the FBI. And for sure, we we do want to do that. Um, But this guy was not part of any gang. He says very clearly he was not part of any pre-existing gang. He was not part of a militant group. He's not part of a militia. Um, He is saying he's getting a lot of ideas off the Internet. That's for sure. Um, But what's really happening is this is a political problem. This is not just a narrow law enforcement issue. Um, And what we need is we need um, our political leaders um, to really engage with the fact that we have now mainstream, we have extremism now in the mainstream. 
that, and that's an extremely different problem than we're used to grappling with. So the number one thing we need to do is recognize that vi- um, uh, political violence in America in the last couple years has morphed. It's changed, and now it's become a major political issue. And this means we have to have major conversations. Uh, I think every candidate who runs for office should be uh, should ask uh, should be asked. Well, if you um, uh, if you lose, are you going to accept the the loss, or are you going to um, uh, keep promoting things even at the expense of democracy? So every candidate should be asked to uh, hold them, you know, held held to account. Are they for democracy or not? That's Robert Pate, professor of political science at the University of Chicago and director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. Professor, thanks so much for talking with us. Absolutely. I'm sorry for this day. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.